This episode is sponsored by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you're not a member yet, you can join our Patreon for as low as $1 per month to support the cast and crew of the Bardic College. Unlock bonus content featuring your favorite players, get exclusive access to shows you can't find anywhere else, and even get a chance to have Raz run a game of your choice. Visit us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. Hello, my name is Lauren, but you probably know me as Catherine Ross. I'm here to let you know that if you love our content and want to feel the same dread, terror, and jubilation that I do, then make sure to check out Lurking Fears when you head out to your next convention. With a great group of professional storytellers, Lurking Fears is able to weave stories that will haunt you and take you to the very edge of madness, which is something I know a little bit about. Now, while specializing in Call of Cthulhu, Lurking Fears also runs games from a variety of other systems, so there's something for everyone. They're committed to running heavy RPG adventures that are driven by the narrative and, of course, by the player's choices. So, check out their Facebook page and follow them to keep on top of which con they'll be hosting games at next. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Now, let's get back to the action and see what our Keeper Raz has in store for us. But if history has taught us anything, probably going to be bad news. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. All right, everybody, welcome back to an episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. Raz with you, and I'm with the team, minus Ella. As you remember from last time, Ella has been taken away to England to speak with Section M. Uh, but right now, we are trying to break into the Peaks, which used to be owned by a man named Ying Ko, who was uh, sort of a friend to the team when they were last here in Nepal. They ended up rescuing his nieces after a precarious situation in the mountains. But now Ying Ko has been gone missing. They believe presumably dead. Uh, his bar has been sold out from under him, we believe, by some Germans who came back looking for their plane that Aveline and the girls took to Moscow. And right now they're trying to get into the building because the nieces had let on that there was something important and of value tucked away inside Yinko's old bar and they believe in the office. So we are right now dealing with dogs. The team has gone back down and asked Catherine to prepare a concoction of meat and other sundries of all kinds of pharmaceuticals. So Catherine, give me a medicine roll and let's see how good you do with whether you're going to dose the dogs to kill them. By accident, you're going to dose the dogs to properly knock them out and how quick you're going to knock them out. So give me a medical roll, please. Let's do it. I'm really trying not to kill these dogs. Mm, I would Regular success. That's going to probably kill the dogs. So no, the dogs, it was a success. Dog, yeah, you're going to successfully knock them out, but probably you're giving them too much of the goodies. So I'll go ahead. What? I don't want you don't like that answer? I don't, what's, I don't, what's your luck? My luck is 45. That's all your luck is right now? That's that's all my luck has ever been. Wow, these sub 50 people. I would worry less about the dogs and more about you because I was going to I was going to give you a thing that if you want to spend 10 luck, I'll make it that you knock the dogs out, but don't kill the dogs. But you can't afford that 10 luck. I'm very upset right now. I hate you people. How dare you make me do this? <laughs> so she thinks she gives them the right dosage This is the last bottom. time I'm helping you people. But there's a lot. She's packing a lot of pharmaceuticals. Jack, you're even going. Um, yeah. So it, it, she's stuffing these things. She's got an injector. She's like she's marinating meat French style. Like she's just gorping into these things. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and she gives you. The important point, though, is that Catherine feels like she's dosing them correctly well the important point is she is a fail would have been she didn't dose them enough 
A success, she dosed them, but it's probably going to kill them. A, a, a regular, a hard success, she got it just right. And a regular, she knocked them out in like eight seconds. It was, it was primo. See, you rolled see regular. Catherine, just like we all feel like we have the right bone, you felt like you dosed them correctly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, an old, that's an old hurt. That's an old scar. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> so you prep six pieces of meat just to be safe. As they're walking away, Catherine, heading back up to the window to pass them off to Spider Fay, and Jack Cavendish gets himself set up in position again, you think to yourself, that medical bag felt a little light when I was done. Better think about checking my supplies again. So yes, there is quite a bit of, oh. of goodies in this meat. You, yeah, yeah. you really made sure that it wasn't going to affect you. Listen, you wanted it to be quiet. You wanted your friends to have a good chance. They've got a chance. They're no problem. These dogs are going to get. They're going down. I'm so sorry. Bad, bad keeper. Bad keeper. <laughs> Vadim, same, same building as same window as before. Yeah, I think so. We know that that room was empty before, so why uh, window worked real well? Yeah, and why, why, uh, why risk going into a room that might have somebody in it and another one? All right, Jack, you want to make me a spot hidden? Catherine, would you like me to make me a spot a spot hidden? Catherine Ross just typed party foul. Um, hashtag party foul. Oh, that's a, that. that is not a success. That would be a critical success. At a least two. Jack saw something. What Jack saw was that there is absolutely that he's perfectly safe. I mean, there's nobody out there. He doesn't mis, misinterpret anything. But Jack, uh, because you rolled a two, I'm going to give you a very special encounter real quick. The front desk clerk from the Dalsha, Dalsha Hotel is coming home. And he's, <laughs> he's walking past you and you spot him. Uh, uh, it's up to you how much you'd like to either harass, harangue, do nothing, let him go. But yes, he's um, he's making his way home. Uh, no, I'd probably just tip a hat to him. That would be that would be more disconcerting for him than if I were to do something. Oh, I probably. He just looks over at you, kind of scuffles along. Um, he's very very late, so something must have happened at the hotel as well. But uh, yes, he's on his way home finally for the evening. But he was the uh, afternoon guy, and it's like now close to you know almost two a.m. and he's skulking away from the hotel. So something you may want to keep on the back burner in case you need to uh, investigate something you know some situations at the dalsha in the future uh all right scott so uh vadim opens the door vadim make me a stealth check please on the door so the dog doesn't get alerted as you drop the meat that is a 10 a zero and a zero so that would either be a 10 or a 100 right because if you had that that could have been a complete yeah. hey dog exactly. <laughs> i got me got a treat for you <laughs> Faye, hold the meat open yeah. the door and literally fall on the dog <laughs> 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 I would have saved him. Catherine wouldn't have had to, had to dose him. Critical success. The the meat that was prepped gets dropped on the floor. Quietly, you shut the door. And within moments, you hear the dog eating. You hear a second dog. The other one, you quickly throw out another steak. And within about six or seven minutes, they're they're out. They're gone. You're good. They're, 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 they're breathing very shallow, but they're okay. I kind of turn back around to Faye and give her a thumbs up. We have like a little satchel. We put the rest of the meats in the satchel ready to. Yeah, sure. All right, so I think we can move out into the hall. I give I give Faye like a hand signal to like wait one moment, and Vada will move out of the hall and give a, a scope on the hall and see if the hall is clear. Hall is clear. Uh, as you can see, there are, there is a door there a door directly across from you. Well, sort of catty cornered, about eight eight feet. You assuming it's the other room Catherine spoke of. There's a guest room alongside of you. There is another. The seating area is down further, and then you you just can make out the wall of the master bedroom at the far end of the hall. Yeah, I'd be moving towards the staircase, right? 
So you don't want to go to the master bedroom. Got it. Okay. So you're heading for the staircase first. I would think we want to go to the, I mean, as long as the halls are clear, so there's no other, we're not seeing any other dogs that would be, you know, up here. So I think we would want to make uh, our way. He he does his best like Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator doing the silent, silent signals through the jungle with Faye. Faye's giving you a very enthusiastic thumbs up because she has no idea what half of those mean. <laughs> Excellent. But she's she's Wonderful. working through it. She's using context clues. So just bear with her. Okay, so you make your way down the stairs and Vadim, you do see another dog about 20 feet inside. So you're getting a little bit of ambient light from the streets and from the moon. Uh, coming through these small window panes, just enough to illuminate where you can see there is a dog, and he is roaming the center in the of big the room. Kind of, like, yeah, he's got one down there. I go back up the steps, and I take one of the another piece of meat, and I toss it down into like you know one of the corners of the room, so he would you know go investigate, find the meat off to one side, and hopefully go nappy nap you know out of the way. And about ten minutes later, so now it's probably. Closing on 2.30, that dog goes out as well. So you now have that dog taken care of on this lower level. Good job, guys. All right. And we're not seeing anything else in the large room? No, not yet. Are the doors all closed? So the door to like the bar area, that door is closed. That one you can see, Vadim, and it is closed. That's the hallway that leads to the front of the building. The, across the office, it's so far, it's 10, 20, 30. It's about 60 feet in this light. You barely can. I mean, you just know what's over there. So I, you know, kind of get confirmation from Faye that she's okay. So we would uh, move towards the office. And at this point, I would also just be looking to see if there's any other open doors, any points of egress from this room. Just the ones that you know of. Okay. So you make it across the tiled floor. It is. This is hard to be silent on. But you can do it if you move at a slow pace. Uh, you guys have been making your stealth rolls so well. No problem. Uh, you don't see or hear another dog. Could we, like, take our shoes off to move across this tile floor? Because you could. socks would, that would be make better. It a lot easier. On. So we can play it out as, you know, we take a step and then I realize I put an arm out to stop Vodum and then I just kind of point to our shoes and I just start. Especially a lady's shoe back then with a three-inch chunky exactly, heel or whatever. Yeah. Lady's shoes weren't built to be stealthy. So I just, like, I quietly you know i'm dexterous enough i can take my shoes off standing up and i'll just i'll hold them and i'll just start to inch across the floor we move we move close together sticking close together there's no other dogs down here that you see no and no sounds coming from anywhere else the office is directly across from you now you make you make your way there without a problem the door is closed the door is closed and locked i pull out my lock picks and uh i you know Lean down, take a close look at the lock, try to identify, you know, what type of lock, pick the proper tool. Faye, I'm sure you brought some sort of a light source. So if you would you kick that on to help Vadim see a little bit better? Uh, yeah, but I would try to sort of like put my, like kind of shield the rest of the room with my body. So I'm only trying to like illuminate the light. Put it, yeah. Again, the windows are up so high in this building and this floor. They're way up in the ceiling, about eight feet off. The light you're giving down close to a door handle is never going to be seen outside. Someone would have to walk in the room to see. I'm it. still paranoid. Understood. But yeah, it's so I'm just maybe a little bit too close to Vodum. He's like, put us in space, some room please. To <laughs> okay, so locksmith. Here it comes. Big, no whammies. All right. That is a 20 and a six. A 26. That is my locksmith skill. Locksmith skill is uh, a 20, uh, excuse me, a 55. So a 27 is a hard success. Okay. Pops, no problem. It was a simple lock. You were going to get in on a regular success. It was like easy peasy. Yeah. I mean, it has the key with only one tooth. As long as something goes in and and moves to the left, it opens. 
yeah, the guy wasn't built for security. He thought the dogs would take care of anything he needed. But he did lock it just as a, a force of habit. Door opens. Inside, you see the filing cabinet. You remember the desk, the two chairs, uh, the small, uh, the coat tree off in the corner. Everything's laid out exactly as you remember. No canines? No canine. So we move in and close the door behind us so we can fully take our flashlights and... Um, Take my, I take my, cause I have like a, my, like my sort of like lightweight jacket on that like buttons up and everything. I take it off and I roll it and stuff it up along the bottom of the door so that we can fully illuminate our flashlights and no light comes from underneath the door. You can even turn the light on at that point. There's no, yeah. So you're fine. You can turn the light on in the office. All right. So Vadim goes floorboards, eh? Floorboards. And he starts, uh, you know, Puts up his hands and he kind of starts walking around the room and, uh, you know, seeing, you know, seeing the space, looking for anything that's out of out of ordinary, you know, a nail that looks like it's, you know, not quite seated properly, you know, anything that stands out, you know, space between floorboards where something looks like it can come up and just starts walking around and inspecting the room. Faye, I'm going to you're going to be looking as well. Yes. What's your spot hidden, Faye? My spot hidden is a 65. And Vadim? Uh, is a 75. All right. So here's how we're going to do this just to make this simple for everybody. I'm going to give you an option. You guys can figure it out. I'll either give you a bonus die to spot hidden, and that is Faye helping you to try to find where the, the piece the thing is, but you'll require a hard success. Or I'll let one of you roll, but you require a regular success. What do you think, Faye? I'm kind of thinking a bonus die might be best. So a bonus die, but I'm going to need a 37. So I have two die... At a chance at a 37 or just a regular roll at a 75 or less. That's a 75% chance of success. Whereas the two, the, the bonus die, that's um, two chances at a 37% success. I don't think that measures up is, as much. Which is 60, what, 74, right? 60, uh, 37, it, it 37. Doesn't, it doesn't just double that way. It doesn't, math, it doesn't come out mathematically yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's 37% by 37%, which makes it like a 52% success rate or something like that. So I think it's I think it's better for me just to do a straight roll. Yeah, just do the straight roll. All this math's making my head hurt. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Faye gets no roll then. She's actually in, involved in yours because she lowered the success rate. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're taking the option of going with a regular because it would have been a hard. Yeah. You're taking the regular success. Okay, give me the roll. A lot comes down to this one die roll. That is, I am taking a picture of it right now. You don't have to, just what is it? It's a 10 and a 3. So a 13? Yes. It's not in the floorboards. It's in the boards that connect to the wall. So one of the one of the floorboard trims kind of yep pulls away. Okay. Yeah, and it, it took a little bit of time to find it, but you got it. Uh, figured about ten or fifteen minutes. Jack and Catherine, this is Katmandu. This is the middle of the night. It's it's. I mean, it's morning now. It's almost. It's closing in on three a.m. By the time all the dogs have been sedated, and Catherine, the dogs do live. I I won't do that to you. I know you're too much of an animal lover. Um, but they're going to. They're they're never going to be quite right. They're going to have like a crossed eye thing. I can't just, it can't just be perfect, Catherine. Pharmaceuticals can be dangerous. It's controlled substances. These dogs, you know, one of them has no sense of smell anymore. Something's going to happen. Okay, but they don't, that's, I won't. That's fine. That's it fine. can't okay. just be perfect, Catherine. It just, <laughs> not after, not after kind of uh, the dump pills you put in there. But on the streets, uh, you couldn't have been given a better situation for watching out for anything odd because there's just nothing odd. These are an early rising people. They're a hardworking blue collar people. They live up in the mountains. This, the streets are so empty and devoid of life. So the floorboards pull away and you find $5,000. So he's, he's pulling through this. He pulls out the 5,000. He inspects it to make sure it's nothing else. He hands it to Faye. 
<laughs> okay, not what I'm looking for. I look, I look at it, and I'm like, huh, okay. It's gonna go to the girls. It's gonna go to the girls. I swear. Let's make that clear. Right, it's their money. Yes. You also find some jewelry, uh, things that he probably hadn't fenced yet. <laughs> Somewhere, Catherine smiles uh, to herself inadvertently, doesn't know why. Vadim inspects the jewelry closely, makes sure there's, you know, not an inscription or anything of import on them. No. Okay. They're, none of them are Karina's. Hands. Oh, very good. Hands those. Smart move. Yep. <laughs> that would have been, I would have tore this fucking place to the ground. <laughs> that would have been bad. This bar would have burned, this bar would have burned tonight. <laughs> uh, you do find several ledgers. Uh, you pull those out as well. They are coded. They're in a shorthand. All right. So we uh, put those in the pouch. Okay. Uh, You find a gun. Obviously, he has some form of gun, a couple of extra uh, clips of ammunition. In the pouch. Yep. And five passports, all the different names. He never made his way out. He never left. He didn't just escape. I would probably be familiar with his aliases, right? At least one or two of them, I would say yes. Probably not all of them. But I see like the aliases I'm familiar with, I see there with others. And it gives me pause that he wasn't able to take the things with him no no if he he's left, buried somewhere if he left behind the gun and all this money it's yeah. yeah and didn't give the girls a chance to or gave it to the girls and took a run or or took them with them no i knew that yeah, he wasn't it, yeah he wasn't alive because i mean he left his nieces behind and i mean Faye and Catherine saw how happy he was to have them back and he vowed to take care he, of them he and wouldn't protect have left them, them. God he's, no. he's in the end zone at giant stadium yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely all right so you have everything you need uh, you can make your way back out of the house, uh, out of the bar, rather, uh, the way you came. Gustav's like, Ev- everything, you- did you find what you were looking for? Perhaps. We will have to inspect more closely. Well, it's been quiet. The dogs are still out. I, I think they will be for a while, though. But they're, uh, they're- they seem to be okay. Let's-, let's. He opens the window. He says, after you, miss. And he helps you out of the window, Faye. I nod to him, and I start my descent down. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you can find a one on the way up, you're not going to roll a 99 on the way down. You know your handholds. You know where you're going. That would just be. Thank you. That's just the GM just saying, oh, yeah, roll again, bitch. She uh, there's down. no reason. <laughs> right. I face plant. That's what kills Faye. Yeah. A st- an eight-foot an eight drop. You go outside. Uh, you ra- round up Jack and, C- and Catherine. And the f- four of you are able to make your way back to, to Torgy's place with no problem the the girls are asleep enter everything's fine no one's come near the house they're not attacked nothing's happened it's all very calm very much like normal cairo situations right nothing cthulian has happened it's all very good so yeah Vadim, the shorthand is pretty it's pretty dense it's it's nothing you've recognized okay he had his own sort of code i offer it to you know to, for everybody to look at and i'm i'm actually kind of uh th- this gustav seems like a uh, like somebody with skills and i show it to him as well uh, to see if there's any any chance of any familiarity or anybody looking at that. Um, what what skill would that be to? I'm gonna. I'm thinking it's got to be some sort of an intel roll with a really tough success. I don't think there's anything that's code breaking traditionally. Yeah, I'm looking at like. I'm smart as hell. I'm gonna roll. You and I, I think, are both. Uh, that's my two skills: smart and dex. Well, I was wondering if based on my archaeological background and doing digs and like finding all these things, but I don't know if that would help me at all. Faye, in time, if you had a cipher, you could probably, I mean, if you had something to start, Mm -hmm. like a word, like, you know, the Rosetta Stone had, you know, a a, a mimic and they were able to find, you know, letters and characters, you could eventually do it. uh, But this is, unless you speak the language as a root, 
you're gonna the the letters and characters are changing, but it's based on a Nepalese dialect of how he coded. So it's not even an English dialect. So you're not even familiar with what why the you know a vowel is here yeah. and a, a consonant and I don't, would be there. I don't speak any language from this area, like that's no. rooted in that. So um, no, that was a, I, Vadim had a good role, but it, it was a 25, which is a hard success for him. Not a critical not a, though. Not, yeah, it's got to be critical, or it's going to take some time. Uh, Jack, you want to take a look at it? Sure, I could take a look at it if you want. And what were we? Which one were you rolling for? What were you, Intel. Intel. Oh, okay. I rolled a ninety, by the way, so definitely did not. Catherine, did you take a look? What would you get? No. Jack's in the wrong book. Catherine, in typical Catherine fashion, um, rolled an eighty-six. So she took one look at it and went, "This in code. What? I? Why would I know this?" Catherine, with uh, I don't know. Faye, give me another uh, Intel roll. I'll tell me what you get. I think Faye would probably think of this first. That is a 55. That's just a regular success. The eldest girl. Oh. Denise. Yeah. If he told her it was important, she may know or at least have an understanding of the language enough where she could say, well, that's a letter A, that's a letter S, that's a, that's a K. And then if, you, if he changed, if it was just a, an alpha cipher, like A becomes the sixth letter and B becomes the seventh letter. Like if it was six letters off and you could, she might be able to set you on a path to unlock the code. Because like I said, it's a Nepalese dialect. So um, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking the girl, the older girl, she might be able to help. She at least speaks the language. Yinko, knowing that she was the last surviving family member besides her sister, might have taught her some of this. She might know, or at least she might be able to point us in the right direction. Mm, very clever, Faye. Worth a try. Do you want to wake her now or wait till she wakes up in the morning? It's only a few hours until she wakes. They have had a rough day. Yeah, and you can't fly out tonight anyway. It's not like a, an hour is going to give you any time. Yeah. It's more about just – Yeah. So if everybody just crashes and then wakes up tomorrow morning early, uh, she'll be up by like 7.30 a.m. She'll be up by moving around. So eight – by the time you guys get up, figure five or six hours of sleep, you can show her the cipher, you know, the the document and see the, – the ledger and see if she can come up with something. Sound like a plan? Yeah, I'll bring it to her over breakfast. All right. So he, let me give a roll for her. This is going to be a, a regular success for her. It's not hard. Well, she critted it. Okay. Uh, that was a really good role for them. She sa- she tells you immediately, she says it's it's a little weird, but yeah. And, and she says, I, I can show you what each symbol means, what, what how, the, how he was trying to write. She So she writes the letter A and then, you know, what it would translate to. And it's this line. And then she, she goes through and she says, yeah, this is, there's a name here, the name of the bartender. And then over here, I can see, yeah, she says, I, I think I know what he's trying to say. Let me, let me show you. So she takes a couple minutes and she writes out a code that you can like a cipher. Yep. To break it. So yes, she was able to do that for you. Uh, Vadim, after a few hours, Gustav is, is looking at his watch. He says, I have to soon go meet the Holy man. He's hopefully going to be here today. Um, but we can do that in a little bit. He's kind of watching you. Everyone's gathered around. I'm sure Jack, is there anything you want to do early in the morning? Are you just kind of hanging out make sure everything goes well with the cipher before you have to go collect Aveline? Yeah, there's no, there's nothing that special that I need to do other than I, I guess I could, I could check with the hotel, I guess. But I, I don't, I don't even know really what I would check on with them, I guess. The hotel is, if something happens down the line, you just saw him leaving late. It's something you may be able to use if you ever needed to like, what were you doing leaving late? That right. kind of thing. It's not really, you had no indication that there was a, tr- a you know, a fire or a crisis or a killing. It was anything like that. Right. It's just, you're, you know, you, when you see someone leaving like that, slinking away or, or kind of walking quick and making their way home, you just kind of take notice of it. And that's sort of what happened for you. Okay. All right. So Vadim, it's about 10 o'clock in the morning. It takes you about two hours. Here's what you learn. 
Your wife and children were in Lisbon. The man they had been placed with was an associate of Yinko's, similar to yourself in trade, like a, a guy who was getting, uh, you know, a, I don't want to say grifter because grifters move about, but he was somebody who was um, a smooth operator. It gets in, get out, owns some warehouses, kind of um, very much like um, Alto, Alcos in uh, Sevastopol. Local operator. His name was Franco Alvarez. In the Barrio Alto district of the city is where he lives. Mm-hmm. He owns several warehouses in that district. The buildings are just numbers in the Barrio Alto down by the by the wharf. And those numbers are 2, 3, 5, 15, and 17. They were living with his girlfriend. So it was Franco Alvarez was the contact. They were staying with an Italian expat named Giulia Paragazzi. P-A-R-A-G-A-Z-I. Giulia Paragazzi. And supposedly Karina... And the two children were living with them uh, in that in Portugal. By all indications of this, according to Yinko, that's where they should still be. Yes. Um, money had been sent from you. The last time was, let's say, five weeks ago when you sent a bundle of cash. Yinko takes a small nominal fee because he's rerouting everything. You knew that all along. It was like, you know, he just takes 10% for, for the effort. And then he gets the money to them. It was nothing... The money he transferred, like if you sent a thousand, he was sending not you know, nine hundred or nine fifty, whatever. What what the numbers all look like they're there, and they all seem to be, you know, that he and Franco Alvarez until Yinko's disappearance, uh, were in communication. Uh, the last time they spoke was about three weeks before Yinko went down, but he normally reached him out to him every week, every month or two, or if you sent a package that needed to get up quickly. So it was normally like two times, you know, uh, six times a year they would speak. Karina's good, kids are good. I'm sending something, you know, it's on its way, that kind of thing. So studying through these, you know, uh, Vadim feels relief. He's, and he says to everybody, you know, Yinko, I was man of word. Um, this, this says that he was continuing to do everything in the way that our agreement was held. And uh, my wife and children are in Portugal uh, is where they should be. As of a few weeks ago, that's where they were. That's that's great. It's good news. It is not bad news. So yes, yes, Kate, it is good news. I'm relieved to hear that for you. That's that's good. If you'd like, Mister Vadim, I I can see what I can f- drum up from from our contacts. Uh, we do have an agent in Portugal. It's one of the major waterways into Europe. We we tend to watch the bigger harbors, and Lisbon's such an old town. Uh, I can see if we can drum up any information about this Julia. Powder Agazi, if you if you'd like, before you were able to make your arrangements to travel, and Franco Alvarez. Yes, yes, I could I could look into this. That. This is something you do. You uh, you are discreet in your work. We try to be. And he kind of looks at the ladies like, do I trust this guy? It's sorry, we're so used to it. Um, yes, <laughs> we're so used to the good stuffs at this point. This is what they do. Think of him like uh, an information butler, a resource butler. We can trust him. He was he was loyal to one of ours before we lost her. A stand-up guy. Your your word is good enough for me. I I give Gustav all of the information, and I thank him. I thank him for reaching out and making the attempt. Um, I, I will do this. Uh, from one of the public payphones, I will make contact through the organization um, as soon as I'm able to uh, find out if we're allowed to exhume Miss Aveline. Uh, we're getting close to that time. Uh, could I 
I'm very, con- would it be possible for you to join no, me with that? I was going to come whether you wanted me or not, so. I am at your disposal. All right, so you go there and there is a holy man. He speaks with Gustav for a few moments. There is an exchange of cash. Not that the holy man needed it, but Gustav pays him off. You do see, though, that the holy man is not thrilled that you're doing this. But Gustav explains that it's very, very important. They want to just get her somewhere where she can rest peacefully. He even starts talking to him in broken, you know, the the holy man speaks some broken English because of the tourist, you know, the trades that a lot of people come in through Kathmandu. Like if you went to a villager, a holy man at one of the villages, probably even 10 miles outside of Kathmandu, you're probably not going to find somebody speaking English, right? But here, they, some of them have broken English. They have some broken other international languages that they can get through. He talks about how it will, it will make the spirit happy. Gustav says that, like her spirit will be at rest. It'll be better for the whole village, for the whole town. And that really is what sells the man in the end. He's like, okay. They pay for a porter, one of the, the grave diggers, to bring a, a cart and a big tarp. And they go ahead and they they leave some shovels, but Gustav says, we'd like to take care of this ourselves. And he sends everybody away. So Jack, Vadim, would you help him go about doing what needs to be done? Absolutely. I think that Faye and Catherine are probably just standing off to the side, just holding hands, trying to just support each other because, I mean, yeah, this is really rough. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it is. we're bringing her it's home tough. and we know that she's going to be resting in in her homeland. But I mean, yeah, this is... Not fun. First shovels of dirt come out. You start digging down. You know that not everybody buries at six feet, right? It's just the way the, I mean, that's a very Christian thing. It's, 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 a, it's part of their practice. Not everybody digs to that depth. Uh, so you're not sure when you're going to strike wood, but you, you keep digging and about a foot comes out, two feet. The guys have rolled their sleeves up. Gustav is, is, is teary-eyed. He's not happy. You know, no one's happy about this. And Jack, you think you hit metal. Okay, I sort of stop and I take a double take. And how far down am I? About three feet. Metal. Okay, I try to move the shovel around to see if I if it is in fact metal. If I can, you know, if I can move it around to see it, mm-hmm. or, you know, or do I have to jump down in there? No, no. It's a so you. I mean, you, at three feet, you're already in the hole anyway, right? You're up to your your waist. You're kind of digging out. You strike the spade a few more times. You don't hear that sound, and then you get it again, uh, like a glancing shot. It's metal. You, you you definitely are hitting something metal before wood. I, I, I lean over towards Vadim and, and I say, I'm hitting something metal. It could be a container of some sort, but there's something here that's been placed in the burial. Vadim nods his head curtly, kind of reaches up and tosses the shovel he had in his hand on the edge of the, the grave and leans down to where Jack uh, was pointing to, pulls out his knife and kind of starts probing the ground, pulling back with his hands, using his knife to loosen any dirt. The dirt hasn't, the dirt, um, anybody who unfortunately has lost someone and, and has visited a cemetery, you know, months after, knows that the dirt doesn't really settle for a while. It, it, it keeps, right, there's there's a mound and it slowly dissipates, but the ground isn't hard for months. It's because it, you can't put a headstone up because it's not, the earth is just not stable. Right, it has to settle. Yeah, it has to settle. So this earth is settling to some extent because it's been like four months, five months, but, it, it, you know, it is coming up pretty quickly now, you know, once you're into it. Yeah, Adam, you, you, you ding it. You hit something and it's, it's metal and you start moving it away and it's it, it it's just black. And I, I'm trying to find the edges, you know, digging around. Do I get to an edge, you know, dig down around there? Just just trying to reveal the shape of what this thing is. You see that. It's a helmet. You see a, a helmet of a lower echelon German soldier. Oh, jeez. 
Jack, this is German soldier. What is German soldier doing in grave of friend? I I do not know. Is uh, Gustav see this? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I thought I thought you said she was buried here. I, I don't understand. Did did she take one of them down before she fell? Fell here? I believe she she was brought here already passed. But what he's saying is, did she kill one in the house? Did they bury so a German he, soldier but on he's, top of her? But he's sitting up like that? He's not carefully put in the Looks ground. Looks like he was just tossed in there, right? And then buried. Yep. There's a German soldier where Aveline's body should have been. Uh, I'd start digging behind him. Yep. Do we hear any of this? You're standing right there watching it. We're going to continue trying to dig, too. Why, why, Got why, it. Well, yeah, yeah, I wanted to we see We were if there more. when they put her in. She should be Is there. that the same holy man? The holy man's gone. He walked away. He wanted no part of this. Remember, he, he was like, okay, fine. Paid him off. Her spirit will be at rest. He said, fine, fine, fine. And he left him. But is that the holy man that Faye recognized from before is what she's saying? The one that was there the day that Aveline was buried? Yes. I run. You're going to let them know that there's a body in the in the, in the the ground until you know what's going on? You, or you want to, I mean, I'm just asking. Running is okay, but you could alert the whole town that there's a dead German in the hole. And as a, nobody sees it yet, except for you guys. We should fully exhume his body. And yeah, I'm having uh, very intense flashbacks to when I was stuck and fighting for my life in a German cemetery. I bet you are. So Faye is just, normally she would sort of like, you know, ask a bunch of questions. She is just staring at it and she's not moving and she's just frozen. You dig him out. Jack, you keep going down. Vadim, you're pulling him out of the ground. Gustav's digging with Jack. Jack, there's no coffin. So the only thing in there is this one guy. Yes. Vadim, you expect his body? Yeah. There's a note inside his pocket, a crumpled piece of paper. I unfold it, take a look at it. They came back. I couldn't let them take her. S. And that's where we'll cut it for tonight. They came back. I couldn't let them take her. S. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> this has been another episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. Aveline's body is missing. There's a dead German soldier inside the ground where she should be. Gustav's having a panic attack. Catherine and Faye are pulling their hair out. Jack just looks over like, there's no coffin. There's no we're, There's nobody here. And Vadim's like, who is this S? <laughs> hmm. Oh, we'll find out. Is, is it women's writing or a man's writing? Oh, it's a man's handwriting. So S could be Sid, S could be Schooly. We just don't know. But what we'll find out as we go along. only write S? <laughs> I'll talk to everybody next time from all of us here at the Bardic College. Thank you so much for listening. This is a Pulp Cthulhu adventure. Like, share, subscribe. Don't forget it. And stay in touch with us on our Patreon. Listen to all the background stuff because believe me, it's just as creepy as some of this. We love you all. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.